beautiful thing to behold. Yeah, sorry, oh like my that. goodness. You just have to do it normal. <laughs> new day, new scheme of thought. You can start it like that. You know, that. Nothing, nothing can stop me from starting it this way. But I already started it that way when the episode starts. Just All right, cool. Hey, we're back for another episode of Stream of Thought. And on number 70 today, we begin by talking about... Of all things, the beauty of Victor's haircut. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I got the a sort haircut. Of, the sort of detail of the extravagance of what a simple haircut could turn into was... Uh, I think you just got to listen to it. Because just listen to it. Because I, I got my haircut from someone who works who worked New York Fashion Week. That a haircut could be interesting. I got, a, I got like to. a $200 haircut. For free. And it was well worth it. Yeah. And then Rick's and I reminisce on high school, just the good times that we've had and the changes that we experienced while we were in high school. And um, oh, you know, for no reason at all. Yeah, for no just, reason. Just at totally all. random. Bringing, bringing totally high random. For, bringing uh, high school totally, up. How great it was. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, inevitably, that never leads to anything else. That's no. It's like totally not going on totally right now at all. So uh, yeah, with no, totally, totally, control stuff at all. Nothing, so. nothing, nothing. Yeah, about just a quiet, non-controversial, relaxed episode of Stream of Thought on uh, number seventy. So, with that being said, we hope you enjoy. I can right, catch so, that before we get into it. I know. I agree with everything that you said. Oh, saying. okay. So we're we're, cha- we're changing to topics. Jeans? Dude, I ended up spilling some shit on there and I did, I washed it and then I threw on those pants before you right before you picked oh, me up. Okay. And right out of the wash, there's still shit on it. No I way. Know, I don't know how. It's not shit shit. I know, it's but it's like, like sucks that it's still yeah, stuck on there. That I have crap all over it. Ah, uh, that Alas. Alas. I had gone on a run earlier. So. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Stream of Thought After Dark. It is currently 1023 in the p.m. on this fine Thursday evening of February 22nd. That's such a soothing radio. <laughs> you would be a great dude. I'm golf really, dude. I really want to do. I really want to. It's just something that you mentioned the other week when you just called it "stream of thought after dark." <laughs> like stream of thought after dark. It it just makes me think back to, um, just like a very soothing, lulling, like radio program or. Yeah. or or a television program where there's just a guy in a chair with a fireplace behind him and he's just talking or something like Who's that. Who's that guy on PBS who did the paintings? Oh, he Bob Ross. Bob Ross. Yeah. Who uh, paints the trees and rabbits, his little friends. The happy little trees. Dude, we, uh, it's a happy Chris, little my tree. old roommate Chris and I used to watch Bob Ross all the time um, when I was living downtown. I think he, I think they had his episodes on like Hulu or something. And so we would. Watch them one after another. Remind me then to show you the Deadpool trailer, the Bob Ross tribute Deadpool trailer. Okay, it's, will do. It's hilarious. So I've got something to lead off, and oh, good. My first question to you is: Do you notice anything about my hair? <sighs> I. Did. Are you going to be offended if I say no? No, I won't. Which okay. I'm actually... If you say no, I'm actually a little bit happy. Did you get it's, implants? No, it's shorter. 
It's like two inches shorter. Yeah, no, so, I, I couldn't tell. Cool, good, because I wanted to look too short. <laughs> so I had, I was contacted. Afraid of looking too masculine. I was contacted uh, a couple weeks ago to be like a model for a salon with these, where they cut your hair in front of people. So what happened was this salon downtown Chicago, the super, uh, which by the way I've been to a couple of them just because. Uh, Kelsey Trevis works at one, and I went there to meet up with them before we went out, and then I got my haircut at this one. Wow, fucking immaculate places. These are places where, like, haircuts are, like, over $100. Yeah, for, like, a woman. Wait, okay, yeah. so back So up. hang on, hang on, hang on. No, so tell, this is what I'm going to get to. Can you, so can you tell, can on you backstage, flesh out the story? So on backstage. What is going on? Uh, this is what I'm are getting to. Are you just to. plopping us this in the middle of the story? This is what I'm I getting want, to. I want the lead This up. is what I'm getting to. Okay. So backstage, which is what Ron and I were telling you about, which is, like, like a LinkedIn version of for like acting. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So someone had contacted me on there saying, Hey, would you be interested in be in being a cut model for our salon? So I said, Yes. Free haircut and a goodie bag full of shit. So yeah, absolutely. A cut so, model. Okay. Yeah. So, so listen that let me just, continue. All right. So at this salon called Salon Buzz in River North, they had two people come in who were representatives of, uh, they use, the salon has all these products called Bumble and Bumble. So that brand that supplies this salon with hair products had two of their representatives come in who are high-end stylists to cut my hair and three other people's hair for in front of the stylists who work at that salon to kind of show them stuff. Okay. Yeah. Because these people are like super high end, um, and they said that they uh, they did New York Fashion Week last week, and they do New York, and they do Fashion Week in Paris, and they go their job. Wow. Uh, their job is to go travel the country to go to the different places who stock the salon with their products yeah. to show their stylists like what they're doing and, and different things they can do. Right? Are they like super flamboyant or no, just very no, like no? But they elegant were gay. no, or... they weren't super flamboyant. But if you have to know, they were gay. But it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, I, w- I didn't mean gay. So they cut my hair, and it's in front of like twenty five or thirty people, and it was cool because like I got a free haircut from someone who's had years of experience and is like super high end, right? So I got a free haircut, which was cool, and um, I got a, like a goodie bag. Full of some like hair products which I don't use, which I won't use except for the shampoo. You know what I'm saying? But it was a cool experience because it was just, it felt very nice just being pampered. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. is there anything you need? There was food there. Oh you know, wow! So like they actually were. Yeah, they had brought it. To, like, they had like catered some food. And, like, hey, is there anything that you need me to get you? Oh anything? my goodness! I'm, like, I'm totally fine. Was this on TV or no, something? No, this was on TV. It's not on TV at all. Okay. So I get, and the and the funniest thing is too they they had uh, I had to have makeup on, which the only time I've had makeup on is when I got my headshots done and it was very wait subtle. why why would you have to have makeup on, dude? Here's what the weird thing I don't know, because I was I wasn't in front of a camera, but makeup for men is way different than women. Did like, you have to sign a release or a waiver no, or anything like no. that? No. Oh, okay. So probably yeah. you know what? Probably because of the lights and because they were in front of it was a presentation. You know what I'm saying? 
I don't fucking know, dude. I was just like, That's whatever. Weird. That here's, is here's what I'll tell you, though. Very here's what I'll tell you. Did after, you, did you after have your own makeup, makeup artist? After, there was a separate make. There's a separate person that did makeup. Yeah. So after they had applied makeup, I looked in the mirror. I didn't look. I did not think that I looked any different. Did they do a lot? Did they just no? Like it's all it was super subtle. Yeah, I did not think I looked any different. Okay. I could tell there was makeup, but I didn't think I looked any different. But it was it was fun to like uh, because what they do with the makeup, they put moisturizer on your, on your face just so like the makeup will stick. You know, Look, but three but years was, younger. But was but what was fun was when they're when they're like close your eyes, open your eyes, look down, look up, whatever, and they have these little brushes and they're brushing your face. And it just kind of, it feels nice just having like, <laughs> this is really, you're just having like a, a brush wisped across your face. You know what I'm yeah, saying? no, I don't. And then they had lip, put lip balm, lip balm on. So it's just fun sitting wow. there just like this and just like all these things going around. And I thought of my dog. I thought of my dog who sits there and sticks his head up and I, and I just play with his face. They didn't touch me with their, with their hands or anything. But it was just very, it was just very funny. And then when I'm in the chair, they're doing my hair, and you probably can't relate this relate to this as well because you have very short hair. Yeah. But they wet your hair, right? They wet your hair, and then he put something else through my hair. Like, it, I don't know what it was, but it smelled like lavender, and it smelled delicious. And he's he's doing all this, and so then I get like a little miniature scalp massage as he's rubbing this stuff through my hair. So again, I'm just like, oh, this feels so nice. And uh, I got a free haircut, and um, he, they were telling me exactly what they were going to do because you kind of let them know. Like I told them, like, dude, I can't get like anything crazy done. He's like, okay, well, this is what I would have in mind. And the weird thing is, I what I meant to ask him was, like, how did you pick me? Because it was me. I was the only guy, and it was three other girls, and those are the only people. <laughs> In the entire city of Chicago, I don't know how I ended up that is, being in the chair. Wow, oh, oh my goodness. But they had some really good food there, too. And uh, I had a very positive experience. I very much enjoyed it. Dude, I, have, I, I think to myself, of all of the friends who I have in all the locations across the country, is there anyone who would be able to, like, talk about the joy, <laughs> the... the the sensual pleasure. Oh, uh, there receives. was no sensual pleasure. No, it's the simple, it's the subtle things, right? It's the little, yeah. like, it's the being pampered. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, you would think that it's interesting because I just let me. I'm I'll, listening. I'll get there. It's very anti-masculine. However, I think that perception, it's like. If you allow yourself to set aside that stereotype of, oh, like. Like how you know we we can't we can't allow ourselves to feel like good if people are doing things in a way that's like oh a woman being pampered kind of thing is the stereotypical image yeah. that you have in your head and so when a guy talks about it, it's like oh well isn't that a little like metro or something like that and and but I think that that's one of those things if you set aside the stereotype and the, that masculine image and just say like realistically like yeah damn that feels good like it, it doesn't great. matter it doesn't matter how you, you you can be the manliest man and the toughest guy and still find that same sort of uh enjoyment mm-hmm. from just a simple thing as a haircut in this very surreal environment 
where you're getting the best of the best. You're getting like a doll, $100 haircut and, where they're taking off an inch of your hair. And um, Amber, who cuts my hair uh, every few months, like I'm totally happy with her cutting my hair. But it's amazing when you go see this person, get a cut from a stylist, you really see just the passion that they have for hair. Because I'm getting my hair cut and I'm in the chair for at least 30 minutes or so, right? Just the amount of care and meticulous attention to my head and and the way when I was talking to him, it's I was like, I, I told him, I told him, I was like, oh listen, God. I can really only have like two inches taken off. I can't have too much. Um, I don't want, I don't want you to give me like a boring haircut because I told him, like, I respect you as being an artist, the stylist, like give me something that you feel, but I can't do anything crazy. And also I told him like, I just don't really know what styles there are for like men with long hair. Like I'm completely oblivious to it. You know what I'm That's saying? That's nice that you said, don't do anything crazy. Yes. That's, and so, uh, no. cause I, <laughs> cause he said to me, did someone go a little too high? And I'm like, yeah, actually a couple of years ago, one of my, someone fucked up my hair and cut it too high up here with the with the um, with the trimmers. Yeah, yeah. And ever since then, I haven't been able to grow it out long enough to connect to the back because when I do, it gets frizzy out here, which is why it's a little bit shorter here. And you can't really notice, you know, it's totally fine. And then um, as I get a piece of hair I, uh, in my <laughs> mouth, I think. And then he's like, "Oh, did someone go a little too high on the back?" And I'm like, "Yeah," because again, in the back, someone had gone just a little bit too high. He goes, "Okay, well, this is what I'm going to do to help fix that." Hang on. Okay, I got the hair. Oh, my um, God. And then he's so like, right now, your hair is a little bit all one length. And I'm like, oh, that – yes, yes. This is what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to make the front the, – the hairs here just a little bit shorter than – like, he was explaining everything to me. I'm like, okay, yeah, just whatever. Like, I trust you. You're the artist. Like, I, my trust is in your hands. Go ahead and do it. And um, I'm getting my hair cut. And the cool thing is in that room – there's a small poster for a product with Tony Garn uh, on it. Who Tony Garn is a beautiful supermodel. Wow, absolutely beautiful. So I'm getting my haircut. I'm just looking at this poster, looking at Tony Garn, and he's swinging me around the chair. And again, just the amount of care that went into cutting my hair. And when he cut my hair, he had a razor and he was like doing it like freehand. He was just like kind of individual doing, strands. No, not individual strands. He'd grab it like this and just kind of eyeball it. He was he wouldn't do this and measure it. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? He just just really great just for audio, by the so way. So much, yeah. He, he did this. What? Where he like you know when they lift up your hair and then they pinch it with their fingers to judge whether that's about an inch or two inches or how much they're. For you ladies out there who have long hair, he I just don't a, know dude, what he's talking I, about. I cannot. I'm at a loss of words for the amount of care and attention that went into this haircut <laughs> and it was great and i got a goodie bag of like i said some hair products which i probably won't use because i don't like the feeling of having like product in my hair uh but i'll use the shampoo i, I don't use hairspray or any of that shit you know what i'm saying and i walked away and i walked back to ogilvy and, and i was just extremely happy you know not only are you the most appreciative uh, friend that I know, you're also the most trusting. I feel like you walk into situations just saying, like, I will accept whatever the fates have before I me. Told you him. walk into this place, you don't, I mean, 
in reality, do you really know if this is... I, like, I know you James, trust a lot, but do you really listen, know? Listen, I told James, who cut my hair, I said to him, thank you so much. At the end, I told him, like, dude, I almost didn't show up to this. Bro, I almost did not come for fear of getting a fucked up haircut. Yeah. I told him, and he laughed about it, but I told him, like, I'm happy I came. Dude, because we were, commu- I was communicating with this other guy several times back and forth, and... Uh, it must have been on, like, Friday or Thursday. And he was like, okay, come to – it's at this place at this time. And that, and I never replied back, like, okay. And then Tuesday morning, he's like, "Are you just to confirm you'll be here. And, dude, every, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I was like, on the fence, on the fence. And then I think on Monday, I told myself, like, no, I'll go. There's, like, it'll be fun. It'll be, it'll be cool. I'm not doing anything else. And I went. I'm really happy I went. You're very, very trusting, my friend. I feel like that has led to some of your most memorable experiences as well as your most um, tragic downfalls. But what's interesting is I'm walking back to the train station. It's raining. My feet are soaking wet. They were wet when I got there, and they were more wet when I left. Oh, that sucks. It was all right, though. It was whatever. But here's uh, just to change gears slightly. I'm at the train station, right? I'm walking back, and I'm walking up through Washington, and I see this kid eating Subway, and I see this guy in front of him asking him for money, and the first thing I think of is, dude, your first mistake, he he had to have been like early 20s, late teens, dude, your first mistake, bro, was sitting down and eating this meal, and setting yourself up to be a target, bro. Mm-hmm. You got to stay mobile. Yeah. Or you got to eat fast. Yeah. I mean, I can't count the number of times when I'm at Ogilvy, the food court area, and one out of every three times that I sit down there waiting for my train, someone will come by and ask for money. Well, here's the get this, right? One out of three times. Do you remember? Okay, so that one time, though, when we were coming back from the Daily Show thing, that guy was asking for money. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I was okay with that because he showed me, like, it's my birthday today. I'm like, fuck. It's, they all have a good it story. It is your birthday. They all have a good story. So when we were at the Daily Show, I saw that one guy. Or we, he came up to us, and he he had his ID, and it had his birthday on it, which, for all I know, maybe he's got one for every day of the year. I don't know, bro. Yeah. So I gave him some money. Well, and that's like, the thing whatever. is that they, I feel like everyone has the perfect, Dude, Ron, perfect Ron, story. Ron said the funniest thing because he was like, bro, I was, ta- I was at the train station, and I was talking to this guy. And, you know, he was telling me a story, and he's like, it's probably not true, but I'll go ahead and I'll give him some money anyway. He says, bro, this guy should have won an Academy Award for his performance. I walk, like, ten steps and hear this guy telling a brand new story to someone else with the emotions and everything. And I was at Ogilvy once, and a guy was asking if I could buy him food. And I said, absolutely, I'll totally buy you food. You want to get some Popeyes? Let's get some Popeyes. He's like, okay, what should I get? I'm like, get whatever the fuck you want, bro. He's like, can I get some for my friends? I'm like, yeah. So I bought this guy food. No, get this, dude. You want to listen? Listen, I'm, I'm not done yet. In, I'm not in done shame yet. At I'm your not done yet. Listen. Yeah. Listen. Keep going. You want to know why karma is so great? Because I bought maybe like 15 or 20 bucks worth of food for him. Listen, these two women behind me started to cry a little bit at how, at what they witnessed, and they gave me money. I didn't spend a dime, bro. I bought the food, and I was reimbursed by the universe uh-huh. a minute later. Okay. Okay? 
And how many times? That's the only you- time. That's the only time because I don't <laughs> give people money. I offered to buy them food. All right. I offered to buy them food. You know what happens? Nine times out of ten, no. I want money. I was sitting waiting for the train in that little waiting station. Um, and this guy comes up to me. He's like, "Hey, bro, can you buy me a hot meal? I'm really hungry." I said, "Absolutely. I've got, you know, I've got some time before my train leaves. Let's go downstairs." As before, we even get to the escalator. Hey, man, there's this place on Monroe. You know, it's like twelve bucks a night. You know, can I have some money? I'm like, dude, I don't have any money. I don't, I don't give people money. I'm more than happy to buy you a meal. No, that's okay. You just asked me to buy you a meal, and I, to which I obliged. Mm-hmm. Yep. And now you're telling me no. <clears throat> so I will typically always – well, I will always buy someone a meal. There's this dude, Alonzo, over at Belmont and Sheffield. I've bought him Subway like three or four times. Mm-hmm. And I'll always feel better buying someone food rather than giving them money. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I feel like, too, that really does sort of sort out those that are really have more nefarious purposes with – what they're going to do with the cash. And you think about it too. Have you have you been following the opioid crisis at all? Like no. how severe it's gotten? Uh I'm trying to remember cuz I there was a really great article in the New York Times about just how the the history of opioids and how our country has always since its founding, since before its founding has had this unnatural addiction to substances like during wartime british and revolutionary troops use opioids as um pain relievers for battle wounds like and you had people coming home from war basically addicted for the rest of their life to these things you had ben franklin no one really talks about he was an opioid addict in the later half they had that back then Oh yeah, it was it was it was the aristocratic thing. It was like high class. Okay. If you could afford it, and everyone was just sort of addicted to it. And on the battlefield, think of how much of a fucking killing you can make selling those back then. There's like zero, like control. Yeah, but the risk was always greater, and just the natural like there was no infrastructure, there was no job layer there was no security in your environment right right you know during that time period it was sort of the wild wild west there were even like yeah there were even like police you couldn't even it was it was really hard how awesome would it be to have a gang back then like in the 1700s that's why i always think to myself like i would love to be a cowboy i would totally rob trains and have my own gang and be the leader and just go from town to town and robbing trains and everything. It's Dude. a rough life, man. I don't know if I can survive it's that so life. Crazy. I can I mean, never submit to that lifestyle in today's age. It's a little too too hardcore for me. But back then, I could do that. You think about it, though. The aristocratic lifestyle is like the upper suburban class lifestyle equivalent today. Mm-hmm. And you think about how... Cheese... Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you think about how the standard of living for all the the peasant folk yeah. has risen. You know, yeah, of course you still have a contingent of the population in, like, slums and ghettos and things like that throughout the country. But generally speaking, the middle class or what would be the peasant class back then has it pretty nice. I mean, we have similar amenities to what the the rich and wealthy do we we mirrors get we got mirrors mirrors you know and 
I don't know. I mean, I I think that yeah. there's a little more equality when it comes to uh, conven- the convenience lifestyle. Right. Yeah, that is pretty interesting. I agree. But you know what's not convenient? And this is something, too, that... Um, do you? Oh, I'm sorry. Do you have anything else that you... Stuff that you had on your docket? Yes. Good, 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 good. <laughs> what? Did you want to... Do you want to no. expand all of mine and then you can talk about what you want to... Or I don't care. Yeah, totally. No, because I'm going to talk about something that's not, like, happy. So... Okay. As long so, as we get to postpone Okay, that. okay. So then also <laughs> what's been going on with me this week... Uh, I went to an audition yesterday for a student film. It was really fun. I, I was I was late to work. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm able to make it to work or not. I was like 20 minutes late to work, but whatever. But I go to the audition, okay. and it was cool because it was my first audition having a camera in front of me. And, what do you um, mean, first audition having a camera? Like really? other auditions I've gone to where there's like audition for sketch shows or for the acting lab or, you know, for conservatory. Like, Is, on, like, like a camera real, camera? or Like just a like real a, camera. Oh, okay. Like a, a film camera? No, no, no. Like a Nikon with a, with a boom mic. Um, okay, yeah. And because the other auditions I've done were more like Second City auditions, uh, you know. And so I do the audition and it was funny because it's the first time I experienced we're like, okay, that was great. Now do it this way. And like, oh, okay. And I got the sides in front of me and I do it a different way. Cool. Now we want you to do it. You know, that was good. It was a little more commanding, but be commanding like. You're the hottest guy at the bar and you know it. Type. You know what I'm saying? Like these like the the type of stuff that I don't know how how familiar you are with it, but there's always like this joke that when you go on auditions like casting directors will always try and get you have these weird analogies for trying to get you to deliver lines in a slightly different way just so they can see different sides of what they have in mind for a character. So that was pretty fun. Interesting. Yeah. So how did you feel about that? I felt really good. I had fun. I had a lot of fun. Were you did you feel like your emotion like were you able to be the hottest guy in the bar when you did I knew scene? exactly what they when they said that I was like I can do that for you. I can do I can do that. Really? For you. I thought really? of Neil. I thought of Neil the when I when uh, how are you able to channel Neil? Channel Neil right now? No, I'm not doing be, that. Be the hottest guy in but the I bar. But I did that. Man. That was cool. I'm pretty confident I'll get a call back. And I'm more interested in the process. And that's really all I have to say about that. And then <laughs> tomorrow, I'm, I had submitted some stuff on backstage and have another audition tomorrow. So it's cool that I have like a couple things going on right now. That's so funny what they're able to make you do. Yeah. Do you ever feel any shame in what no, they, absolutely they not. ask you to do? No, it's because it's not like goofy, weird shit. Oh, it's okay. Just like, so no one's asked you ever to do like that's the weirdest thing that someone's ever asked you to. It's like, not. Be, it's not like it's not because you can't really. Okay, when you when you ask someone like be say this, be confident. Like, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's so many different facets so, of okay. being so, confident. So it's an artistic analogy. So they want to, you to be confident, but they don't want you to be too overwhelming. Be a little bit more yeah. like. So it's just easier to convey that by just saying something. Yes. I mean, somewhat goofy. Yeah. Type yeah. Yeah. Thing. Okay. 
And that's so interesting. Like, you feel like you're able to cha- channel those type of characteristics pretty easily. Yeah. Are you able to change personas? You have to, because like if you don't, then you fuck up your audition. Do you need a period to warm up? No. So, I'm so, sorry, I'm so unfamiliar with this territory. No, you just do it. You just do it. Yeah. So you could totally change personalities right now, if you wanted. I'm not asking you to. Yeah, if you have the copy in front of you and you're just reading the lines and you're just say the lines differently. You should totally do that right now. No, I'm not doing that. So what's the <laughs> morbid thing that you want to no. do? <laughs> the morbid thing. Well, okay, we'll we'll start because I like adventures. Adventures are always fun. So I we'll can't get with... over this fucking this stain all over your jeans. Dude, right now. I know. It's really bothering me too because it it, it looks feel... like you spilled spaghetti sauce all over yourself or something. I don't know what it ended up being. The cat could have thrown up. I think the cat might have thrown up on my clothes that were on the ground. He does that a lot. Alright, so anyway. You like adventure? I like adventure. So we'll start off by going back to high school. Perfect. Do you remember, was it junior or senior year when they started, like... I already know what you're going to say. Locking the side doors. You couldn't Uh-oh. enter the side doors. I thought you were going to say when they... Uh, when just there were parapros all over the place. Yeah, well, they had the influx, because I think that was the year... That they had the influx of pair pros, and then they would lock all the side doors that used to be open. Freshman and sophomore year, yeah, Glenbard West, which was accessible from every single direction. Yeah, there were how many entrances? Entrances, dude. They're marked on the door at least uh, twenty. At least twenty. Yeah, yeah, all over. And our freshman and sophomore year, before school and after and after school let out, and sometimes during the day. Over half of them were unlocked. Yeah, and absolutely. and accessible. You get in and out, and so during lunch, even freshmen could go off campus if they wanted to, go out to the quad, go out to the hill, yeah, leave campus, wander wherever, go in, go out of whatever entrance and exit, and you were just allowed to wander free. And then junior, junior and senior year came along, and they started implementing these rules, right, to. They shut the they they locked the doors. Oh, you have to enter through the main entrance. I think that was my biggest irritation. Fucking is that. because I came from the opposite side of uh, the building, right. and so I would always come up, and that was part of my time schedule. Wait, when school started, they didn't let you in through where like the cafeteria by the where the cafeteria is, those rear doors. Yeah, correct. You they, they started the locking those, and oh, then I think it was towards the end of senior year. But wait, so everyone who rode the bus had to go around the school up the hill? Oh, maybe not. Maybe well, maybe maybe they, during school hours, oh, but not like at the beginning of school. Uh, yeah, it was during school hours they yeah. locked that because it used to never be yeah. an issue. And they started getting super strict about being in the halls. You had all these new, new. We had Bob and security. We had guards. when we were when we started high school. We had Bob and Jesse, who's. Yeah. Cumulative age was near 200. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know yep. what I'm saying? Yep. And those are the pair of the security guards in high school, Bob yeah. and Jesse. And then, by, and then by junior year, they had a few more. And then by senior year, they were all over the place. It is so crazy to think how our high school went from that transformation of being this sort of casual, just... Anyone, anyone could come in. There wasn't really was there. There was no security desk. 
I don't believe. There, there was a desk. There was never any. There, yeah, there, there was, was never anyone sitting there. Never anyone sitting there. And so you would have people coming and going throughout the day just doing whatever. Like, yeah. If they were visiting a classroom to do a presentation, people would just come and go. You, know, you just walk straight into the office and not have to like – there were no checkpoints. No there checkpoints. Were, no one checking to see if you went to, went to the uh, detention office. Yeah. You know, it would get reported after. I remember one time I was late just, to Spanish class like senior year or junior year. And one of the pair pros, like, made the beginning of school, like, made me go be- to the office to get a Paul Pass. I was like, what? What are you talking about? I'm just five minutes late. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. what? Go to the office, get a Hall Pass. What's that about? Yeah. I, I don't think I put, put up with that sort of bullshit. I was like, what? Just... Yeah. But um, I went back. Because I worked, I worked with the. Um... Uh, guided instruction program. No, I th- that was junior high school. Anyway. I went back to Glenbard West October 2016 because I was walking around with Kyle and Lindy. And we were just walking around the high school. And we went up to see if it was open. It was like 5 in the afternoon. Because Lindy was like, I wonder if my painting is still hung up. The school, she painted something in class, one of her art classes, and the school paid her like a a few hundred dollars for the painting and they hung it up in the in the really hallway i had, I had never heard so of we that. walked up and i recognized one of the guys there from when we were in high school and um we asked him if we could just walk down the hallway uh like the little hallway that goes not the little hallway but you walk in the entrance um and you walk down the hallway where the auditorium is and he's like uh, i don't know like you know you can't like uh and he's like all right fine and so we walk down the hallway, and we see the painting there. Within five minutes, he's walking over like, are you guys done yet? And we're like, yeah. We're, he wasn't a dick about it, but we're like, yeah, yeah, we're done. We're good. It's like, oh, shit. There's no one in the school. It's 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, when, when they had we're, a- you have We're like – and we – we are we give off that vibe that we are normal, responsible people. You know what I'm saying? Anyone who sees us can probably pick that up. Yeah. They were completely normal people. And they were like, all right, you're done here. Well, because I remember it was even even a, even a year after graduation, we were still able to – I can't remember who it was. But was it maybe Neil and I would sneak into Beaster. Oh, to work out? The, yeah. Nice. Or maybe it was Cooper. No, I think you and – Might have been know, me and Neil. Neil. Yeah. Would sneak in and just lift and stuff like that. And whenever we'd see a coach, they'd be like, "What are you doing here?" It's like, "Hey, we're just coming back to you know reminisce yeah, kind of thing." And then we get a good lift in and use the track or whatever. But then everything locked down, and it was like everything was locked. There was no way that you could get in any, anywhere without being monitored, like yeah. tagged and monitored. Well, I saw when I went up there that desk, that turret that he's got there. There, he had a few monitors that had secure that you could see the feed from the security cameras. Yeah, and uh, I can't remember. I think it was a couple of years ago that I went back to Glenbard West, and they print they print out. They have a printer now that will print out your badge. And yeah, you, you have to wear the badge with your fo- photo on it. Yeah, or whatever. So yeah, and that has all happened in a matter of six or seven years. It's so crazy that we were in that time period. 
that of literally we experienced the before and the after. They don't um, while we were in high school. So I believe Billy's class was the last class to do a senior uh, barbecue with like completely no rules. Like you remember when we did it, it was like. Go to class. No, there like, was, there was no zero authority. Supervision there. Zero supervision. It made zero, me very uncomfortable. Zero authority. There was but definitely then, alcohol there. But then um, the year below him, I think it became like a school-sponsored thing. So it, there was more control. Like it starts – you want to have the senior barbecue. It's starting at this time. Everyone has to be have – go to these classes before. Like it was way more control. It was before it was just like there is – everyone knew that seniors were not going to be in class. With the exception of people who had to do presentations and weren't allowed to leave, or in AP classes. That's every I'm referring single, to you. I'm referring to you. Every single person in our AP yeah. class was there, and no one was allowed to go to the bathroom. No one was allowed to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Everyone was there. Wow, it just was. But yeah, that was so crazy that we were in the like, midst of. Jeff picked me up. I remember that day at like eight thirty. Well, after school started, go to camp, it, go to school, leave to go to McChesney and Miller, go to the grocery store, go back to school, hang out, wander the halls while there's classes going on and taunting those oh who goodness. are younger than us. Who I can't are still count in the class. number of times when I would be in, in class yeah. and see one of you guys walk by. I remember there were a couple of times when you guys w- would walk by the door and be like, <laughs> or whatever, and just go by. As like, how are. How is this group of people able to just wander freely yeah. around the school and uh, disrupt class, disrupt yeah. people's attention in class? That was fun. The barbecue was awesome. High school was pretty bitching, wasn't it? Wasn't yeah, it? Dude. We had we had the best. Like seriously, dude. When I went to when I went to college freedom. and and we talked about dances and yeah, we had homecoming and prom. What do you mean? We, I mean, we had homecoming and prom. What? And so, yeah, we had homecoming and prom in the in the the turnaround dance. So I had homecoming, prom, the turnaround dance, and about eight to ten other dances in between. Yeah. So we had like those dances. It was like every other month there was oh, a yeah. dance. Oh yeah. Every six weeks oh, or yeah. so. Top of the hill, beginning of the the school year dance, homecoming dance, um, the Halloween dance, Christmas dance, St. Patrick's Day dance, spring dance, the like. What? I think we had six. I think there were a total of six plus the homecoming turnaround. What do we call it? Hard hop. Yep. And prom. So we had like nine dances that school year. Every school year. We really did. Oh my goodness. And the senior dance. Yeah. At the end. It was a really... We, Which was also on top of the hill. We grew up in a, in a perfect era. Dude, the dance on top of the hill every school year was pretty fucking sweet. It was it was pretty epic, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I miss high school. High school is really awesome. You, but you nowadays, man. I mean, I don't think you'd want to go back. No. to the Lombard West of today. No, I, it's, it's really awesome. I think so highly of it because I can't experience it anymore. You know what I'm saying? Just like college, like it was a great experience, but what's so awesome about things that are just like so great is that they have their time and their place and they're temporary and they're not, they don't last forever. That's the thing though. Even if, if we were to go back and restart and you were to be a 15 year old in 2018, 
you would not enjoy your time in high school. No. You would be so confined and constrained. You know the what The amount I... of freedom that you got to, to ditch classes, you were able to ditch, like, what is that? Ditching classes? Having having students unaccounted for? <laughs> just randomly gone? Like, we were allowed to do that in 2004, 2005. Just I would not... Disappear. I would not want to go to high school where everyone's on social media. Because remember... Oh, we were in high school, yeah. like, it was totally normal, oh, yeah. it was completely normal to not have a cell phone. Yeah, absolutely. Half the people had cell phones, half didn't. And that was totally normal. And there was no Facebook. There was there AOL was. Instant Messenger. There was AOL mes- Instant Messenger. Are you going to be on AOL? Conspiring with your no, friends you at the ask, same time? You would ask people, are you going to be on AOL? Everyone's right? always on AOL at the, end of the, at the end of the school day if you're not doing sports or something. Not on AOL now, but we'll be back after yeah, dinner. Your away message. Yeah. Yep. Well, for those people who had the luxury of not having to log off dial-up because it hogged their phone connection oh, as well. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Damn. That sucks. Yeah, we didn't have a phone connection while we while we were hooked up to the internet. We, what a crazy It was era. like that only for a little bit with us. Of course, because you, um, you were a Glen Ellen family. No, dude, I didn't Ivy get. Titan. We didn't get cable until I was like eight years old. You still don't have cable. I know. <laughs> the Dignans have never had cable. Um, and I think we got rid of our uh, dial-up. It was maybe when I was in high school. I want to say I, I can't recall. Yeah, and so I mean, just thinking about, and I wonder too if the if kids, and I feel so detached from. Glenbard West High School culture. I used I, I used to well because my sister was five years younger than me, so I knew a lot of her uh, grade and the, those four years younger because I did a lot of ministry and seminary programs. So all of all all of those kids knew my sister, and sort of, and so the connection okay. to me was easier to make, and so I was able to know that generation. So I, I see went what back saying. about. You know, all the way to 2002. I know... Yeah, my sister's six years younger, but I only knew people three years younger than me because of my brother. So I don't really know if they're going through a happy high school experience. I don't think anyone's going through a happy high school experience right now. Oh, man, dude. Uh, Well, because my mom sent me an article about the... the Which, by the way, at this time, what was the name of the high school? For people who are uh, listening two years from now that don't know what we're referring to, uh, why, any, why Sto- no one's having Stony, a good time Stony in Bird. high school. I saw a funny meme that said kids in twenty kids in uh, kids in twenty eighteen twenty eighteen something something. They went from eating Tide Pods to reforming gun laws. <laughs> yes. Well, and that's uh, I'm trying to. Find, I, it's a long name. It's a long name. I really should know this off the top of my head. It's all right. Park? Parkland? Park, I don't know. Stony Brook something? Something with a lot of vowels. I can't Such recall. Idiot. Is that what you eventually wanted to get to when you were like, I want to talk about something morbid, and then we just went ended up talking about how awesome high school was? Yeah. Okay. No, this is exactly the, the detour that I was hoping to to take. I saw, a bit, I saw a bit on the news where... Um, or an article where, because uh, this seems totally normal for the South, Southwest, because it's a different culture. But teachers in new parts of New Mexico or all, of, I don't know, carry pistols. Yeah, I mean. 
And the news reporter's like, do how who here does everyone here or like who here feels safer that their teacher has a weapon? Boom, everyone's hand goes up. Yeah. And but it's the, a cultural Stone, difference. Stoneman Douglas. Okay. Stoneman Douglas. So yes, and I think that well, and you hear something that again, like I don't want to necessarily date this podcast because this is what the president just said today, and what what he says every day sort of changes. But I mean, I think it's just a representation of just how we don't know what the fuck we're doing right now. He's like uh, something to the extent of, well, he wants to arm teachers, but he said that schools should be viewed as military compounds, and we should we should make them fortified targets. And, did you see the uh, Did you see the like bit that. that Trevor Noah did? He I he's th- had a couple of. Really I thought good that ones. you would have. He they uh they he talks about that. Yeah, well, he's and a, he's like, yeah, and then we can build a moat. Oh yes, yes, and have gun eating sharks, gun eating, and have a few out. snipers yeah. to the turret exactly. on the on the top of the school too. And it's like, really, is we're faced? I feel like in this whole debate, we are faced with two options of the direction that we want to go as a culture and as a society, as an American culture. We can go the one way of fortifying an army, everyone, and saying, you need to be on the defensive, ready to ready to kill any possible attacker because who knows what sort of crazy person is going to come out there and try to kill you, and you need to be prepared to kill them first. Or the other way where we say, we have a problem with violence in this culture, whether it's having too many guns having too many mentally unstable people, having a culture that encourages and promotes violent um, speech and action, right? Like, we're faced with those two options. One, (laughs) kill or be killed. Others, we try to sort of moderate behavior and isolate the bad seeds and restore some sort of sanity to state of living i guess that's how i see the the two paths of discourse i see when i'm watching the news and everything it seems like it seems to me that everybody has their their solution and that that solution is the only solution well and what's so frustrating too is that people are out are out there and even these kids they're they're offering all these possible different ideas and what do opponents of any sort of gun changes do? They pick out one and say, well, that one wouldn't have prevented this tragedy or that tragedy or the other. So if it wouldn't have prevented it, like, why would we implement it? That's like, well, yeah, but it could have stopped this one, this one, and this one. Like, it could have done something. Mm-hmm. And it's just one part, right? No one – there's two things. One, no one is trying to take away your guns. And two, like – one one solution is not going to fix all of the problems. And it seems like anti anti gun legislation people are always like one one problem has to solve the solution. One problem has if it if one problem doesn't solve all all or if one solution doesn't solve all the problems, then uh it it can't be implemented because it's inadequate. Like what good will it do if it doesn't solve all the problems? Yeah. It's it's just very frustrating. And the fact that I, it's crazy, dude. I've never seen this before. Where the kids have taken charge, the, like the the victims themselves, mm-hmm. have decided that they're going to speak out. Like this is weird. I've never seen anything like this in political discourse before. Do you, uh, in your experience? I mean, obviously this instigated it, but also in the past, where when people 
ask to reform gun laws, they do it – the people who want to reform gun laws, typically liberal for the most part, do it in a systematic and professional way and then the people who are opposed to restricting gun laws just do it in the most staunch and just um, are very loud about it and are not um, – how would I say? Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's in my head, but I don't know what it is. It seems like when people want to who want to reform gun laws, like liberals are like, "Hey, this is why we should do it." Point A, B, and C. And people who don't want to reform gun laws are like, "No, that'll never work because of this and that and that and this." And, and then it's just like that doesn't make any sense. But because you're just yelling so loud, like you believe yourself, yeah, that to and be I, true. I do think I do think there is an element of that sort of. It's very interesting because that point, and I don't, I don't think that's the main point, but I think that is a symptom of the greater problem. Because the it, again, uh, the Washington Post had a scathing article a couple of days ago that was one of their front, top page ones. I, I, I always just check out what if they have an interesting headline, I'll I'll mm-hmm. read it or whatever. But this the synopsis of this article which was one of their their featured articles was that Republicans are very angry at these uh, these high schoolers because it takes away their two weapons that they use, which is um, character assassination is their first default. And then the second is dismissal, is that you're not important or you don't matter. And so, like, if you look at any sort of... Um, typical response to any threat from the left. The right tends to respond first with character assassination. Hillary Clinton, she's next to the devil. Like, Mm -hmm. everyone just takes it for granted now. And that has been a 12-year-long campaign by the right to assassinate her character and make her seem like the most evil person in politics. When in reality, she's no better or worse than any other standard politician. You know, she's done a lot of great Mm -hmm. things. She's made a lot of mistakes. She's an average politician. But... What what the what is symptomatic of the right is that it's not about the issues. It's not about the policies. Hillary Clinton has great fucking policies. Like, as a middle-of-the-road, moderate, you know, not even liberal, but a moderate, standard politician who proposes common-sense solutions that can actually get done through the federal government, that doesn't matter. It does Substance is the last thing that matters. So, character assassination is first. They can't character assassinate high school kids who are victims of a shooting. They can't. Like, they, they were trying. The Russian trolls actually interjected really? themselves. They, the, it was the Russian trolls who were uh, spreading the propaganda of that these were actors. These were paid actors. And getting all these people on the right riled up about how, how this is another fake, you know, fake mm-hmm. news thing going on. And, uh, but the news actually, interestingly enough, everyone in the news covered that, that, that you had this attempt by trolls to convince people on the right that this was all fake news. And so the response to that came and uh, 
I don't know where we're going. From that, <laughs> you're the one talking. Yeah. So so there's no ca- so they cannot assass- character assassinate high school victims, and then the second uh, weapon is, that is they try- use is, is, is dismissal. Dismissal. And trying to just and you can't say exactly dismiss a high school. And they tried that. They said, well, these are 17 or 18 year olds. Like, what do they know? They they can't plan rallies. They can't plan gatherings. They can't they can't speak for themselves. They don't know anything about issues, and so that seems to have fallen on deaf ears. And that's not really resonating among the conservative media very well. So as long as these kids are out there on the news, holding these rallies, holding these town halls, given given legitimacy by the mainstream media, they can't be character assassinated or ignored because they're going to be everywhere. And it's like, this is different. This is something that you've never seen before. Because in every instance of a school shooting before, you've had, you know, a mom or, you know, a, a sibling or something like that speak out and try to lead movement, but it always sort of just gets washed away in the next tide of news. You have the whole community coming together and saying, we're speaking as one voice. You can't ignore that because the news media will like to cover one story or the other and, like, pick out individual stories, which is why it's able to fade away into the consciousness so much because it's just, like, there's so many stories. You can't even, like, keep track of all of that. But if you have a community that's saying... Every single person's story is our story. Like, it creates this unified message, Mm -hmm. which is a brilliant political strategy. Like, they're doing everything perfect. I couldn't, I could not imagine a gun reform movement forming and activating so, uh, so perfectly, really. They have not made any mistakes at all. For seven, 16, 17, and 18-year-olds, mm-hmm. they have made no mistakes. What type of mistakes would, would, could be made? Saying the wrong thing, tweeting out something offensive, um, going back in their, their social media history and trying to character assassinate them because they were, you know, racist or something mm-hmm. like that in a tweet. Um, they're, they're conducting all these live interviews, too, and they're not messing up on any of them. Yeah. Like, they know what they want to say. They don't mess up. They don't stumble over their words. It's not like they're rehearsed or anything like that. They're genuinely yeah. talking. And it's like these are authentic kids who are well-spoken, who don't need notes, who are deeply impacted by this. And really, like, they can't be ignored. They, I mean, they can't. It's just, wow. I mean, it will be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of weeks, though, because who knows? You know, we could be at war with North Korea and yeah. no one will be talking about this. So. Right. <laughs> Well, that, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. That. No, I was going to say, I was going to say, well, that's what happened when the Bears won the Super Bowl in 86. Like, a few weeks later, the, uh, what was it, Columbia, the shuttle blew up and no one cared about who won the Super Bowl oh, after that. Oh, I didn't know that. I think it was called Columbia in 86, yeah. Huh. Yeah. The more you know. Yeah. But I stopped myself from saying that because, like, fuck, I don't want to, like, talk about football and mix in football with such uh with a high school. Oh you know yeah, 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 yeah. football. I'd rather get my hair done. Well, uh it is now nearly a quarter after eleven and uh we're gonna be concluding things here on Stream of Thought after dark as both of us have to get up super early. Uh Rix, is there anything you'd like to add before we sign off? Good night, sexy chocolate. <laughs> Good night. Stay sexy out there.